0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. To further analyze the risks of Chinese companies purchasing U.S. land, Cleo Pascal is with the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, and she joins us next. Cleo Pascal, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report.
1: Pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Cleo, companies uh, linked to the Chinese Communist Party have been buying up U.S. real estate and land. Uh, Now there's cause for concern about China purchasing U.S. agriculture, most recently a large purchase in North uh, Dakota. Uh, Is there any cause for concern here?
1: Yes, multiple causes for concern. So there's, first of all, there's the fact that it's agricultural land, uh, and we know that China has a a sensitivity, let's say, to, uh, to food supply. Uh, which means that they're perfectly happy to debilitate American food supply if it uh, enhances Chinese food supply. And the other is, of course, the location, uh, which is uh, near a base. This is something we've been tracking for for very, very long time. I remember I was in the Kingdom of Tonga and I saw um, a Chinese clinic opposite the entry to the barracks of the uh, Tongan Defense Forces and uh, talked to some Tongan colleagues about it, and they said, Oh, yeah. And we think that the woman that runs this clinic is PLA, and she set herself up right opposite the entrance of the barracks so that Tongan military, when they get a sore shoulder or whatever, go over to her clinic for treatment and a bit of a chat. Uh, They don't realize what they're doing, but she certainly does. So we know that this is part of a very entrenched pattern uh, of locating Uh, what seemed like commercial installations near pieces of critical infrastructure or militarily sensitive installations in other countries.
0: Cleo, in the early 2000s, the CCP was busy buying up rare-earth minerals in Africa while the U.S. was distracted, uh, fighting multiple wars. What can these types of comprehensive power policies, as you've called them, uh, lead to?
1: Yeah, so this is actually China's policy of uh, comprehensive national power is overt. This is in the Chinese think tanks. China ranks countries around the world in terms of relative comprehensive national power. It's an empirical metric and uh, an incredible range of different factors go into it. Things that we wouldn't consider parts of power, like, for example, agricultural resources. They have military, economic, intellectual property, but all of these other things as well. So in that sense, um, feeding all of these things into the Chinese system or a system that China can control increases China's comprehensive national power and decreases the comprehensive national power of the target countries. So this is very much consistent with the driving force behind a lot of their foreign policy decisions.
0: Now, the FBI director just called China the biggest threat uh, facing the West, warning about stealing technology. Uh, Does the threat, it sounds like it obviously does, go beyond uh, the theft of intellectual property? And what is your take on the FBI director's warning?
1: Uh, It was great to hear it, and it was good to hear uh, the the UK MI5 director uh, reiterating it as well. It's something that everybody knows. If you talk to the people in North Dakota, they're very concerned about this farmland purchase as well. Uh, we we know this on the ground, if you're anywhere near any of these Chinese installations or commerces, or if your uh, community has been destroyed by fentanyl or anything like that, you know what China's comprehensive national power push looks like, how it uh, it's parasitic, it sucks everything good out, all capital, intellectual property, research, Brings it back to China and leaves behind it a devastating trail of destroyed communities, families, and countries.
0: Cleo Pascal, thank you so much. Recently, we have seen multiple culture and social issues boiling over in our society. Policymakers are trying to find solutions, one crisis after another. Meanwhile, young Americans seem to be shifting further away from the ideals that this country was founded on, embracing socialism over traditional values. To get some perspective, recently I sat down with Dr. Donald Sweeting, the president of Colorado Christian University. Here's our exchange. Dr. Donald Sweeting, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thanks, great to be with you, Steve. I just want to ask you, it seems like there's multiple cultural issues that seem to be boiling over right now, whether it be abortion, uh, the Second Amendment. Uh, it feels like our civil society is being tested on, on multiple levels. Why do you think that is? <laughs> that, that's a big
2: question. I Ultimately... I think there's a spiritual solution at the bottom of it and uh, I go back to uh, Solzhenitsyn's Templeton address uh, where he said he was talking about what had happened in Russia and there was the two old women he listened to and they why did all this happen the Russian Revolution the breakdown of their society the 60 million killed and the women turned to each other and they said ultimately because men have forgotten God and it sounded so simplistic you know like two old women talking but Solzhenitsyn said when you look at the macro Macro picture. That's what's going on. We are we are losing our bearings as a, in Western civilization. It shows in America, and it shows in many, many of the countries.
0: Where does spirituality fit into this whole puzzle?
2: Well, I think it's huge. So, for example, in education, if a student becomes a nihilist, that means you believe in nothing. It has consequences. Oh, my goodness. If you, you believe we came from nothing, we're going to nothing, and we have no inherent dignity, and life has no meaning, and that touches everything from education to mental health. Uh, and uh, you know, we, we just had this another school. We have lots of, lots of shootings, and it's a very complicated issue. But uh, we forget that when people have no meaning, uh, they they go to desperate measures, and uh, the the purpose and the drive for education, everything breaks down. I've heard you say that ideas
0: have consequences. <laughs> Can you yeah. elaborate on that? Yeah,
2: I can. Uh, th- I didn't come up with that one. That was Richard Weaver, who in the 1940s, as a University of Chicago professor, English, uh, wrote a very powerful book that's been a conservative classic. Ideas have consequences. And he was saying that um, the ideas that get in the minds of young people and the place of education is so important, and what ha- what shapes their minds in college will be uh, shown on the streets You know, in a generation or so. It's going to show its fruit down the road. And so it's important to train hearts and minds. That was Weaver's passion.
0: And do you see that translated into our universities uh, nationwide?
2: uh, yes. We see the rise of socialism um, and the return of this. Why is this? Why are we seeing the younger generation buy into socialistic ideas and attracted to Marxism? Well, it's because it's being taught at so many universities, and and it's being taught while the history of Marxism is not being taught. You know, we're not teaching history, but we're teaching ideology, uh, and again, it's showing up in the streets. Critical theory is another one of these things, where um, it's a Marxist, neo-Marxist-inspired idea that's being taught in the universities, and, it, and it's um, now showing up. You Know, in schools across the country. Uh, so um, ideas have consequences, and that's why education is so important, and how we train our students, and the ideas we shape them with, and the values, uh, and why I think it's important to have, uh, as a conservative and uh, as a Christian, to uh, shape the hearts and minds of the next generation. Winning Congress is important, elections are important, but education uh, is critical for turning the tide. So, with that said, do you see a solution or a way out? There are many answers to that question, Steve. But for conservatives, it means having a clear understanding of what we're for. We're not just against the left. We believe in something, and a commitment to live a conservative life, and a commitment to be active, working for policies that will be sane policies. Uh, I see a, resurg- a resurgence coming, a conservative resurgence. Uh, many do. In the, t- in the coming election, there's going to be a big counter reaction to so much of the nonsense we've been uh, delivered and is being shoved down our throats. Uh, but I'm hoping it goes beyond just a election swing, and that the conservative Conservative movement has a clear understanding of what it's for, and people realize it's not just about what we're for; it's also how we live and raise our families, uh, and then we go back to our spiritual roots, because that will sustain this. I, one other thing that really encourages me is the whole influx of Hispanics into the United States. I'm delighted with this because they're, uh, by and large, pro-family, hardworking, and they believe in God, and I know. You know, the, the, the left is wondering why they're losing Hispanic support. Now, I think it's because they're looking for policies that uh, reward hard work and strengthen the family and are not um, always trying to eliminate God and spiritual things from uh, public life in the public square. Dr. Donald Sweeting, thank you. Thanks for having me.